0: My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. When we think of our life with the Messiah, what what comes to mind?
1: Well, we should recognize that he is he is our life. Without him, you know, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We have the foretaste of, of the blessings. We have fellowship. We have. Just the joy, a heart that loves the scripture.
0: All because of Messiah? What's that? All because of Messiah? All because of Messiah. Yeshua. Messiah. King of kings, Lord of lords, yo. is Wednesday, October 23rd, 2019. This is Messiah Matters number 276. Wishing my father a very happy birthday. You should too. His email address can be found on our website. My name is Caleb Haig. And wearing the same shirt I discovered
1: this morning that I wore five years ago in San Diego when uh, Mr. Seymour took our pictures. Maybe you've seen a picture of that. Um, five years later and I thought to myself, wow. And then I thought uh, you forgot oh, I'm, I'm Rob Van Hoff. <laughs> there you go. Because <laughs> uh, I, you know me, rabbit trails. The next thought I had was, I'd rather say, you know, I'll get another year out of this shirt, <laughs> and I'll buy a book.
0: <laughs> My video's off, and uh, I'm not sure why. We've been having some weird, weird technical issues this morning. I don't know what's going on. Uh, what up, everybody in the chat it's room? Cons- Good to see you. Conspiracy to, to shut us up. That could be it. I'm not, Yeah, my, my, uh, my audio and video is off by like a good, I don't know, half second? Okay, hang on just a sec. Let's try to fix it real quick. Can we fix it? Why do I have audio video problems? Oh, uh, I don't know. Okay, well, people are just going to have to endure for a little while. Okay, well, uh, it's been uh, a whole week. We've had a week off. How was it?
1: Well, I was wiped. I'm still coming out. You can probably tell my voice sounds kind of groggy. Some kind of thing has been going around. Man, it's wiped me out for several days now.
0: Hmm. That's no good. I got the same thing about two days ago. Yeah, boy. Should I try to fix this for real, real quick? What do you think?
1: What would that require? Sure.
0: I don't know. Okay, let's do it.
1: Want to restart?
0: No, I'm not going to restart. Bear with me, people. This will take a few seconds. Okay. Now let's go like this. Um, how was your Sukkot?
1: It was really good, but I was sick for half of it. <laughs> and it rained. It rained and the wind blew. The wind blew the top off our – well, most of the branches off.
0: Yeah, the weather here was horrible. It was just cold and, and rainy. Okay, I'm almost ready here. I promise. We uh the problem is is that uh I'm it's it hasn't fixed itself. Maybe it'll correct itself shortly. Um All right, there you go. It's about as good as you're going to get right now. Um okay, let's uh let's get to the show. What do we say? Actually, here, here's some producers for you. I I have this idea. I actually have two new ideas and you can tell me what you think, Rob. This is uh idea is not just for me, but it's also for uh for basically our listeners. So what I'm thinking is this, thinking about, uh, give me just a second here. I'm thinking about making it so that the, uh, basically our producers are not just like, okay, if you buy a producer credit, it's an associate producer, but if you get, if you buy five of them in total, then you become an executive producer. So that's one of my ideas. And I'm not sure what's gonna go into being an executive producer. But then my other idea is to make show notes that are, well, basically like send out a note kind of like what we have right now. And then um, like make show notes that have like timestamps and different things and then actually post them so people can go find them on our website with the show. Oh, thoughts. Well, that sounds
1: cool. Is that labor intensive?
0: <clears throat> yes, it is labor intensive. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds it sounds really labor. intensive It's not going to be fun for me. Um. Yeah. Well. Yeah. The chat room says that. Uh, yeah, the chat room says that uh, I can't. Uh, that my my audio's off as well, and I'm not sure what to do about that. I could restart. We could we could shut down the whole thing and start again. Is that what the is that what the chat room wants to do? Tell me, chat room. You're the people who are here live. Yeah, we
1: just need two. We just need two. Uh, we need a <laughs> two witnesses.
0: Yeah, I know, right? Okay, t- tell me, uh, chat room, if, if you think that we should uh, sh- shut down and start again, just go on. Walpert says, okay, we will. Okay, maybe and, it'll maybe it'll fix up itself. And I'm trying to also fix the fact that uh, there's a second window of me. There's just all sorts of problems today. Okay, let's not worry about it. We'll just keep going. Okay, um, let's go to our show. my show notes. See, I have show notes. Nobody else has the show notes. Okay, um, and here's the other problem. Okay, let me tell you all about my problems today. Here's the other problem. Our soundboard isn't working, so I was going to uh, do our producers and executive producers today, which we're not going to be able to do until next week. So basically, my system needs to restart. Then all of our problems would be fixed, I think. Anyway, okay. Um, so we are going to look at different, uh, we have a couple different audio clips from our um, comment line, which you can call in at, ooh, wrong one, oh, wrong one, there we go. Um, there's our comment line, two five three four six five thirty two zero five. 3205 it's two five three four six five thirty two zero five. 3205 and actually we've been getting a lot of new hmm. listeners, and the new listeners have been utilizing the... The, the call-in line, which is great, uh, which we really appreciate. You can also send us email: cheggtorresource dot com, c h e g g at Torresource.com. By the way, can I also complain to you real quick? I tried to buy the URL Messiah Matters.com. com. Mm-hmm. It's taken. There's no website, and messiahmatters dot org. They bought them, and then they haven't done anything with them. Do you know the date of the purchase? They bought them in 2015, and then they rebought them in 2019. Oh, that's before we called ours that. Yes, it's still very annoying. Is there um, something out? I didn't even know that
1: there was anything out there called that. So
0: there's not. I googled it.
1: It's just annoying. Somebody when's str- it up? When's it up for uh, next year? Every year. <laughs>
0: Okay, anyway, let's keep going. So today we're going to look at emails, and we're going to look at uh, a couple of uh, call-in-line questions. Cool. And uh, so let's look at this one. When looking at the Tanakh, and particularly portions like Jeremiah 2911, which I don't have pulled up. I'm um, th- This show is horrible. I'm all just getting populated. I'll get it. Jeremiah 2911. Oh, oops got to spell it right folks just j-e-r yeah thank you <laughs> thank you rob <laughs> uh what are teachers for okay so uh especially portions like jeremiah <laughs> <Je-o-dra-sh- no. laughs> exactly 29 11, or other passages relating to the promises when can we say they are applied to us today rather than the specific time and situation it's being said over this is an excellent question And one that I have pondered because this actually plays into all sorts of theology. For instance, there are so many things that are given to Israel as a nation or Israel when they're in the land. And Christianity, mainstream Christianity, will say, oh, this is for us, which essentially is replacement theology. Jonathan Kahn has done this somewhat with his his books as well on saying that America is that is going to have all these blessings the covenant wasn't made with America so he's he's imposing all of these things that are for a specific people in a specific land and trying to make them for America which is ridiculous um but then also personally we have to look at you know when does When does it like, how does this all play? And what do you think, Rob? Well, one of the when we were
1: chatting about this yesterday, I think it was. I was uh, two thoughts immediately came to mind. The first was the fact that this is one of those verses that we have on one of these nice kind of framed. I don't I think it was a Hobby Lobby kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know if it was Hobby Lobby. But my wife came home and it's one of her favorite verses, this twenty jeremiah twenty nine eleven. So it's a it's like a you know, it's framed and it just has some nice, cursive and honest, I don't know what translation it is or anything, but it's the jeremiah twenty nine eleven verse. <clears throat> and it's always been very meaningful to her. But as far as you know um, the meaningfulness or the significance for her is just personal.
0: Let's read the passage so that people yeah, know Yeah, this what it is God's personal promise.
1: It says, uh, now this is the NASB, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for, now this says p- welfare, but it's shalom, peace, and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And uh, so that's like this anchor verse for... Um, remembering the goodness of God and his promises especially when life gets tough and it's in alignment with other scriptures like you know i has not seen ear is not heard you know nor is entered the heart of the man what god has prepared for those who love him and are called according to his purpose right you know these kind of things that god is good and that's echoed throughout scripture but this verse there for for my wife i know that she's not thinking oh this is jeremiah the prophet wrote this you know in the late first temple era, you know, to, uh, the Judeans, you know, in the, the, towards the end, you know, before the Babylonian captivity was to, was to come. Right. So, um, so there's no historical context really that's informing its value as, as a, as a scriptural verse on our wall. But yet it, don't tell your wife that. Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, the, and that was the first thing that came to mind because it, it's like I see it every day. The other is uh, the promise because we've been in Ephesians at, at uh, our local community here. We've been reading Ephesians for the last several weeks. and It's one of my favorite and, books of the Bible, by the way. Yeah, in Ephesians, Paul quotes um, the commandment, honor your father and your mother. And I don't have it in front of me. You could find it, but it's just, it's, he says, honor your father and your mother. And he says, this is the, I think he says, this is the first commandment with a promise. And he's, he's instructing, presumably, a large, if, if not mostly Gentile, you know, a large, probably mostly Gentile audience, if not completely, probably mostly at least um, Gentile audience, not only with one of the 10 words, but with, but applying the promise, encouraging them through the commandment that there's a promise associated with it. And that why would Paul do that in that epistle unless he believed that this applied to them? And so now this doesn't answer exactly the question, but these are two of the main thoughts that came to mind that certainly, certainly we have good scriptural ground to see promises as for ourselves um although maybe we could find some that that do not apply to quote the church today i don't know what are your thoughts
0: so my thought is this i believe that uh well pretty much any christian uh church confession that you can find uh is going to talk about scripture interpreting scripture and this is a, i actually think this is a very important um, point within theology, which is that if you're trying to base a theological premise on one verse, um, you're on very shaky ground. Actually, I can give you an example. For, uh, for instance, you have uh, people who believe that the Sabbath has been done away with, or that the, I shouldn't say done away with, that the Sabbath has been changed to Sunday, they use this this one passage in Revelation where it says, and I saw on the Lord's day. And they say this is proof that the that well that's one verse first of all second of all it's uh it is it, 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 we could talk we could do a whole show on that it, it's not uh that's not a, i I wouldn't base theology on that anyway but the point is is that if you're going to uh look at scripture, you find a verse there's ninety nine point nine percent of the time you're going to find other verses that say same thing or explain that concept more. And a a good example of this would be what a lot of people go to when you talk about Torah observances. Oh, well, do you mix threads together? Well, yes, there is a verse that says not to mix threads, but then the supporting verse talks specifically about linen and wool. You're not allowed to mix linen and wool. And why is this? Well, we believe it's because the priestly garment had linen and wool mixed. So it's not that you can't mix any fibers together. It's that you can't mix linen and wool together. And my response is always, no, I don't buy clothes that have linen and wool mixed together. Um, anyway, I think that when we look at Scripture and we find things like this, and, you know, let's go back to the, to the example verse. The example verse is Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you. Do we see this in Scripture? Of course. God is sovereign. We see this all over the place. God directs our steps, or directs our lives, the sovereignty of God is, is declared throughout scriptures. And Romans, I mean, we could, Romans 9 is a classic example. Uh, Romans in general is a classic example. Uh, there's plenty of other places. Declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil. In other words, that God, and we see this as well, right? Those who All things work together for good for those who love God. So this also is supported in other places in scripture to give you a future and a hope. And what is our hope? Our hope is the kingdom of God, right? And we see this throughout Scripture. Every single part of this verse, whether this specific verse is given to Israel at a specific time in a very specific situation, okay, that might be the case. But every single part of this verse can be upheld for believers throughout other Scripture. And that's what I think is important. If we're going to take something and say, aha, this, this applies specifically to me, okay, that might be the case. But do we have supporting Scripture In more than one place. That's what I would look for. Fair enough. Yeah,
1: I think that's good. I think that's good.
0: I think I lost my cursor now. Will you do me a favor and turn your camera a little bit to the... Hang on. Okay. A little bit towards your bookshelf. That way? Yep. Yep, that way. Do it. Let's see.
1: Oh, you're going to see the back of my screen. That's
0: okay. Hang on just a sec. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, let me, let me, (laughs) we're going to try to take my, my picture out of here, uh, out of your shot. Oh, it's not going to work. Go the other way. Sorry. Go the other way. Other way. Other way. Other way. Right. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going right there. Okay. Family. Here you go. (laughs) Boom. All right. I fixed one of the problems. I'm happy. Okay. Let's go on. Okay. (laughs) Okay, this is a question that was given to us. So this has actually been posted on our YouTube channel multiple times. This this exact question has been posted on our YouTube channel multiple times. This is the first person to call in and ask the question. So it's a, this is a great question. And let's uh let's just go to it. Here you go.
2: Uh hi, my name is Christopher and I was listening I'm, I'm relatively new to uh, observing the Torah. Uh, I'm really grateful for you guys' show, but I was listening to something you guys were discussing, uh, two-house theology, and you said that the split between the north and south was not from God, but um, I did want to ask you about in 1 Kings uh, chapter 11, verse
0: 26-40. Okay, hang on just a sec. Before we go to all of the scriptures that he's going to mention, and... This is a great comment and a, and I love that he's actually taking the time to find the the scriptural verses that he's that he wants to reference. This is great. But with that said, I I think for those who are new to this channel and or new to Torah observance or maybe you're not maybe that's not in your what you're after. Maybe you're just part, you know, part of a normal uh traditional Sunday Christian church, okay? But you found this channel and we keep set using this word two-house. We've talked about this numerous times on this show, but it's important to understand that there are different ideas when it comes to two-house. And the modern 2019 idea of two-house is different than the 1995 idea of two-house. In the And I've explained this, but I'll do it again very quickly. In the 90s, Bacha Wooten came out with her books uh, that basically laid out Two-House Theology, and in those books, what she did was she based a lot of things on British Israelism. Basically, what her hypothesis was, if you read those books and the later editions of those books, is that Judah, the, the people that we call Jews, that is the people in Israel, the Jewish people in Israel are actually the southern tribes of Israel. And the northern tribes of Israel are anyone who is a believer and coming to Torah. And the problem with this is, is that basically what she does is she says, if you're a true believer, you're actually one of the northern tribes. Now, I think that people that hold to modern two-house theology would say, no, that's totally not right. What this does is it eliminates the idea that all nations will come to God. It makes it so that anyone who comes to God is actually of of one of the tribes. And you got into all kinds of weird stuff because of this theology. People would say, oh, if, you, if your favorite color is blue and you're a believer, then you're probably of the tribe of, you know, whatever, Dan. If you're left-handed, ah, uh, you're, you know, you're of the tribe of Manasseh. I mean, all oh, the not- it, it, it was just weird. And in, in the 90s, my father, Tim Haig, he came out against the two-house movement as it was in the 90s. And you can find a paper that he wrote during that time called The Two-House Movement, Three Fatal Flaws. And he talks about this. And people have written in and said this is not what the two-house movement is. Well, that's because over time the two-house movement actually shifted. Now, what the idea of two-house is is that Judah, that that is the southern tribes, <clears throat> they stayed in Israel, and this is how you have the Jews, or they, they are in Israel, that's how you have the Jews. The northern tribes were scattered, and we don't know who they are, but they're all around the world, and a lot of the time, people who are coming to faith in or coming to keep the Torah are actually part of the, the northern tribes. That may or may not be true. Uh, and I mean, it is true. Okay, let me stop there. It is true that the northern tribes are certainly scattered, right? Israel was scattered as a whole, I believe. And it is true that those who we don't know a lot of the time if a person has uh, Jewish blood or whatnot, it doesn't matter. That I don't think it truly matters. Why? Because of Ephesians. Bloodline superiority has been uh, has been thrown out by Christ and his death on the cross. Um. So, uh, hang on. Let me show this. Comment. Sorry, Peter. I don't know why that held that comment. Anyway, um, so this is the idea of Two House. With that, all of that knowledge now, if you're new to this show, let's go back and listen to this again from Christopher.
2: Uh, I'm really grateful for you guys' show, but I was listening to something you guys were discussing, uh, Two House theology, and you said that the split between the North and South was not from God, but um I did want to ask you about in first kings uh chapter eleven verse twenty six to forty uh it seems that God is ordaining Jeroboam to be king of the north uh, in twelve twenty four um god says he he tells the southern kingdom not to war against this, the the northern kingdom in order to bring them back because that thing is from him and in fourteen seven um when a word of prophecy is given to Jeroboam's wife, the Lord does say that he, he was the one that gave Jeroboam the northern kingdom. Um, so I, I guess I was wondering if you guys had answered those kind of uh, questions we have, we have in a, a later show that I haven't gotten to yet or what, but uh, you guys could answer this. I'd really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I'll answer this because I'm the one who actually made that comment. Um, and I, admittedly, my choice of words was definitely wrong. When I say that it wasn't from God, what I mean is that God's original plan was not to have one nation split into two to make two nations. God's I mean obviously God is sovereign, he ordains all things, he knew that it would happen, but it was done because of it was done because of sin. In other words, God's plan is to have one nation. That nation is Israel. It's not Israel and Judah, it's Israel. And that nation, and how do we know this? We see this in Jeremiah 31, 31 and following, right? The new covenant is given to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And then all of a sudden, once it's given, where's Judah? Judah disappears. Why is that? Because the two under the new covenant are reunited and there is no more Israel and Judah. It's just one nation. So my point in saying that it was not of God, certainly God split the nation into two. Certainly God ordained that. Certainly God is the one who did that because of Israel's sin. There's no doubt about that. And, and, and Christopher here in this comment is absolutely right. And so I miss, my wording was not correct. My point is, is that what God's structure was was, there for, was for there to be one nation, and that nation was Israel. And it was only because of Israel's sin that it was split into two nations. And, and now, once the new covenant comes in, once Israel comes to a, uh, a faith in the, in the risen Messiah and accepts the risen Messiah, and Paul talks about that day as, and then all Israel will be saved under the new covenant, there is no more Israel and Judah. It's all one more nation. It's all one nation again. And so my point in saying that it was not of God is that it is that it's not that is not the the structure that was that was meant to be set up. The structure was supposed to be one nation that was unified under God's command, under God's instruction, and 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 in one covenant faith towards God. That's my point. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I understand what you're saying. <laughs> and. In the chat room, it doesn't matter. That's a perfect description of two house. It's a wind of doctrine that distracts from Yeshua. That is absolutely right. Well, what what do you tell people who are saying, well, you know, I'm reading the
1: Old Testament or Tanakh, and there's all these promises, like the promise of the Brit Hadashah, it's, it says to Judah and to Israel. Right. Why are the, why are they listed separately?
0: That's a great question. And I, I have multiple answers for this. But ultimately, So
1: one answer though is that I think that kind of good that kind of basic question leads people to right? They start thinking, "Oh, it's there's a lost part of this, half of this group is lost and the other half is not." Right.
0: Go ahead. Oh, no, I mean ultimately when we when we're talking about the profits and the and the profits looking at the time that they're in Israel and Judah are separated. They're talking to, I mean, once again, going back to, to what's happening in that time frame, they're talking to Israel and Judah. They're speaking about their situation. So obviously they're going to talk about Israel and Judah. Beyond that, the promise is given to all of Israel, which is Israel and Judah. So obviously the promises have to be given to Israel and Judah. If you, in the time frame that they're talking in, if you just say to Israel, then you're excluding the southern tribes. Because in their time frame, Israel and Judah are separated. But I think, I, I think that the, uh, the comment, that's the perfect description of two-house. It doesn't matter. It's a wind of doctrine that distracts from Yeshua. That's absolutely right. Ephesians tell, I mean, the, ultimately this comes down to bloodline superiority. And what's interesting is that it comes down to bloodline superiority from Gentiles about Jews. In other words, if I were Jewish, I'd be better if i had you know if i'm ethnically jewish i'm better that's not that's not the case all nations right in your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed israel was adopted just as just as uh all the other all the other believers are, are adopted the only natural the only natural born offspring is who yeshua so the idea that there's this bloodline superiority or that, you know, and there are teachers within the Torah movement who teach bloodline superiority a lot in most of them are, are Jewish. They, they basically say, Oh, well, I'm Jewish. I know better than you. We get this a lot, which is just ridiculous. I, and,
1: yeah. I, that's, that is one of the things that I never really understood. And it's, it's maybe you get it more than I get it, but I definitely have got to people say, well, I'm Jewish. <laughs> like, that's a, like, yeah. therefore, their ideas.
0: It's like a permit. It's like a permit to, to build. Oh, you can't build here. Yes, I can. I'm Jewish. Like, it doesn't. Come on in. <laughs> have you ever seen, the, I won't say what movie. There was a movie. He's like, sir, you can't go in there. And he's like, it's okay. I'm a limo driver. I'm like, what it has nothing to do, you know, there's no. Anyway, keep going. Oh, that's all. Okay. There. Let's uh, let's move on then, right? Um, let's go back to this. Richard writes, and this is this is a fantastic uh, another new listener to the show. Uh, I mean, we just got some sharp people who are who are jumping on on to the YouTube and listening to us. Richard writes in and says, "I'm going out on a limb here, as a newcomer to your channel." And being of what I guess you would call traditional Christianity beliefs, I am unsure what this messianic movement is, and more confused about the Hebrew roots. What is it this channel ascribes to, and what are you hoping to accomplish with this channel? Okay, let's. Uh, wow, that, that's well, a he, great. Yeah, uh, let's finish. Let's finish the, the the comment. He says just know ahead. This is not. A trick question of any sort, I really am asking what you stand for and against. And that will help me when watching your videos to know where I'm being led as a watcher. uh, Point of view gives perspective. That's a great question. And, you know, often we forget that that, we've been doing this show for almost six years. And often we forget that we've, you know, we said something four years ago. And we just think that everyone remembers it, so it's you know we often forget that there's new new listeners. You want to start, or do you want me to? <laughs> I'm just sorry. I'm
1: laughing how you talk, and then the mouth is different. I'm sorry. I, I don't know. Is mine doing the same thing? No,
0: yours is on. It's we're switched. Normally, you're the one who's off, and I'm the one who's yeah. on. Okay. It's about time. Tables have turned. I know, right? Uh,
1: okay. So the first two. Qu- was it, uh, what was it? What was it? first of it was what are you what are you aiming to accomplish well okay what said, do you stand for well
0: l- let's start with and i know that we've described this probably in the in the last show or what was it 275 i think in 275 we described this what is the 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 messianic movement okay let's describe this very that, quickly i can't
1: i don't know that i can define the messianic movement
0: i can define the messianic it's a diffuse yeah i the, the we we can give you what the lead the the largest well, I mean, if people could say this about Christianity, then point to the Catholic Church. The largest messianic um, organization today in the United States is the UMJC. The UMJC believes that the Torah was given to Israel as an identity marker to be distinct and different from the Gentiles. This, by the way, is not what Torah Resource, which is the company we work for, uh, believes. But... Uh, the UMJC believes that the Torah was given to Israel as an identity marker, and therefore the Jews today should keep the Torah to be distinct from the nations. Not the, in their mind it has nothing to do with sanctification. Um and therefore And do they say it's obligatory?
1: I don't think they I, I don't think they would even say it's
0: obligatory. I think the U, Yeah, the UN, UMJC would I believe would basically say we you don't if you don't keep the Torah, it's no big deal. It's just... You know, and they have rabbis. Right. I don't... Do they have women rabbis? I don't think so.
1: Okay. So they're shaped by rabbinic tradition to this degree. They will... They have rabbis. So they have ordinate, rabbinic ordination. I believe some of them have conversion. In other words, if you're a Gentile, and I've, I know this this can happen. Let's say there's a, a, a Jewish woman who's already married to a Christian man and they're both believers. They might say, well, you know, if you're going to, you know, be part of this group, you need to have your, your husband needs to convert. Right. To Judaism, to their brand. Right. And become quote Jewish. Now that would not probably qualify them to move to Israel or anything. Uh, by, well, maybe they could do it. If, anyway, if if you convert, you're now no longer Gentile, but you're Jewish in their eyes. So these are things that did not, th- these are things that they cherry-picked from rabbinic tradition and tried to make fit in the world of believers in Yeshua. And I'm absolutely, <laughs> I, I, I'm like totally against that uh, on like just basic principles. So that's one thing we're against, um, and even though some would say, oh, Torah Resource and UMJC, they're both within the Messianic movement, I'd say, okay, sure, I can accept that. But does that mean we all stand for and against the same things? No,
0: not Peter, at all. Peter asks a great question about conversion. Does that mean that you're, that's when you're born again? In other words, there's one baptism, right? One baptism, one Lord. And,
1: uh, no, but you got to tell, but tell that to the UMJC. I, that's exactly. The but Yeshua also said, don't, don't, don't be called a rabbi. Right.
0: Okay. So, so that, that's, so Torah resource who we work for stands against the idea of conversion. We also stand against the idea that the Torah is an identity marker for Israel because it was given to Israel and it was given to those who attach themselves to Israel, the sojourner among you. Anyway, so uh, that's what the Messianic movement would be. Hebrew roots movement is very difficult to uh, identify and or pin down. We're not really sure how to do that. We've talked about this, and there are some great believers and, and wonderful people in the Hebrew Roots movement. It's defined mainly by the idea that the Torah is for Jew and Gentile alike, which we agree with. Um, so that's where we would, we would be alike with the uh, with the Hebrew Roots movement. Unfortunately, the Hebrew Roots movement has also been somewhat, and people would I I know people will say no, that's not true, but I think, in my view, personally, the Hebrew Roots movement has been somewhat defined with a rejection of uh, of schooling and or scholarship. It's been um, it's seen a rejection of well, it, it's accepted things like um, Hebrew word pictures, um, right, uh, and sacred nameism and two house theology. So there's all these kind of off theological. Uh, nuances that come along with with the Hebrew roots, which a lot of people are going to say I don't ascribe to that, but I consider myself Hebrew roots. That's fine, and I don't have a problem with that. A broader term which uh, we, which I have some used somewhat, is Torah movement. I would consider myself part of the Torah movement in the larger whole. What do we subscribe? So let's talk about what we actually subscribe to. Let's actually go back to the to the comment itself. What does he say? He says, "I'm unsure what the Messianic movement eh, Hebrew roots." What is this channel ascribed to? Okay, let's go. I think we've done this before, haven't we? Done like uh, we've done like things we like top five things. Anyway, okay. You want to trade? Let's go hit for hit. Go. What what's uh, what's some of the main things that you you ascribe to and or stand on? That Yeshua,
1: who is preached by the apostles in the gospels and in the epistles, is the only, uh, the only means of salvation. As we would call Yeshua means, but it, um, he is the <clears throat> incarnate Son of God. Right. He is uh, you know, oh, medicine hey, hey, for your life. So, so hang, hang, on, the,
0: just, wait, hang on just a sec. Okay, oh, you're, we, okay, go ahead. you're going way too fast here. So, Yeshua is the only means of salvation. And salvation is through justification, is through faith alone, not by works that any man should boast. Amen. So, that would be uh, one of the top things that we believe in. So, works have nothing to do with it. You can keep it's Torah. built
1: on, on what Yeshua did for us as a savior, as a redeemer. You can keep Torah,
0: he, Torah all you want and uh, it's going to do nothing for you.
1: Well, unless you're keeping Torah the way Yeshua says keep Torah, which With, the greatest commandment is love God and love your neighbor, and you can't do that apart from Yeshua.
0: Exactly. In other words, justification through faith in Yeshua is the the is the is key to unlocking the door faith, to sanctification. Paul puts
1: it this way in Galatians, faith working through love. Right. So faith, that's your new creation life, is faith. Yes. Working through love, that means you're, you're working through the greatest commandments, and right. all the other commandments follow suit from there.
0: Right. So uh, Yeshua is the only way to the Father. Faith is uh, uh, faith is gi- well, we believe that faith is given by by God, and that justification is by faith alone. Okay. Next, uh, I think uh, so my my big uh, stepping or my big foundational stone here would be, uh, deity of Yeshua. In other words, we believe Rob and I and all of the stavatory resource believe that Yeshua is Yotzevavhe in the flesh. Uh, we are Trinitarians. We believe in Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and uh, we believe that the Scriptures clearly teach this. And that it's—I uh, mean, yeah—the uh, the third and fourth century debates uh, on the Trinity, I think, are uh, wonderful resources that every believer should uh, should know. So that would be mine. Go. Um, oh, wow, got me. I wasn't ready. <laughs> I
1: caught you that, off guard. That, <laughs> that the, the Brit Hadashah, the, what we call the New Testament, or the New Covenant, is not time-bound. That is to say that the, the horizon of the faith of our father Abraham is no different. Right. No, no, it is not shy of the horizon of our hope and our faith. In other words, the, that, that salvation thing.
0: was salvation was the same for Abraham as it is for us today. right
1: right so so we, right. we would it, by affirming that we would also reject any type of um, template or pattern that would have a, a timeline where everything before the cross was uh, Jews had to keep Torah and then Yeshua came and then Torah was done away, and it's a whole new thing right we would reject any kind of template that Sniffs of that, that
0: of that. <laughs> yes, okay. Let's see here. Well, what have we what have we done so far? We've oh yeah, okay. Sola scriptura. I believe in the five sto- solas. Oh, there you go. Okay. I believe in the five solas. Um, so, sola gratia, sola fide, sola scriptura. So, basic, you get it if you're uh, if you're if you know anything about reformed theology or the reformation we believe in the five solas and sola scriptura would be i think one of the major I, they're all major right they're all major but um, but sola scriptura is the focus point uh, at this for me right now because 66 book canon we believe in a 66 book canon there is no more there is no less it's 66 books and uh, unfortunately this is something that's being trinitarian theology and and uh, a 66 book canon is being attacked by all sides it's not just the torah movement it's not just different movements within christianity it's all over the place um so a 66 book canon is what we rest our our faith and our hope on um in terms of the wor- holding god's word in our hands that's what we talk about you got any more
1: Yeah, I would say in terms of uh, kind of to unpack it, we would say we affirm what are called the tulip or the five points of Calvinism. Specifically, so we would reject a universalist uh, template that tried to say everybody's saved in the end. And so we would say we would affirm a particular redemption. Um, And so even on that, though, when we go particular, we're not – necessarily differentiating from Armenians, because I, I don't think Armenians believe everybody goes to heaven. They believe right. it's a limited... So where we would differ is we would say that, that that particular redemption is based on, ultimately, all else, everything out on the table, on God's sovereign choice, not on man's uh, fickle
0: choice. Absolutely. Okay, I got, I got one more. Uh, okay. And I think this is really where Richard is, is coming from. In other words, he wants to know, where are you coming from on Torah? And, and uh, maybe a little bit of history will, uh, on at least from my background, will, will give you uh, an idea of this. My father, who is the president of Torah Resource, whom we work for. So Rob and I both work for Torah Resource. My father was raised in a very uh, Baptist home. His father was a Baptist pastor. My uncle is a Baptist pastor. Uh, my father went to a Baptist seminary. He went, to, he went to Northwest Baptist Seminary and got a double master's. <clears throat> um, so coming out of a, I shouldn't say out of, when my father came out of seminary, he got a, a pastoral position at a non-denominational Christian church, which leaned very Baptist, called Fellowship Bible Church here in Tacoma, Washington. My father was a, uh, a on-staff pastor at Fellowship Bible Church for 22 years. And so, as he came to a understanding of uh, a little bit different understanding of sanctification, he was still a pastor at, at Fellowship Bible Church. With that said, my theology is very much in the line of Baptist theology. Where I differ is on the idea of sanctification. And and basically we can break this down to a couple of different things this in the end does affect things like our idea of eschatological events and things like that but ultimately we can say that we're sabbatarians that means that we keep the sabbath on the Satur- on saturday so we believe that the sabbath should be kept on saturday now this a lot of people a lot of christians are going to say oh oh you know this is a horrible horrible injustice the sabbath has been done away with well Um, You know, there's a lot of sects of Christianity. Presbyterianism, for instance, they're Sabbatarians as well. They just keep it on Sunday. There's Seventh-day Baptists. They keep it on Saturday. Um, There there is, you know, and I think that there's a, um, you know, I think that there's a renewal of people coming to a more, uh, a better understanding of the Sabbath, whether they keep it on Saturday or Sunday. However, we personally are Saturday Sabbatarians, so we keep the Sabbath on Saturday. Beyond that, we, uh, we keep a kosher diet and not kosher like it has to have a kosher stamp on it. I think a lot of our listeners probably wouldn't even know what that is. Basically, we don't eat pork or shellfish. I mean, that's the easy way to say it. And uh, then we uh, keep the biblical festivals. And one of the things, I, I think it's actually an injustice to uh, Sunday mainstream Christianity that they've done away with the with the uh, biblical feast days and the reason why is because I think that it's a beautiful picture of our salvation and it, every single festival focuses on Yeshua and the work that he did on the cross whereas you have other festivals within Christianity that aren't necessarily that way and eh, maybe I shouldn't say that i mean they uh, Christianity has attempted to focus christmas on the messiah and the birth of the messiah and obviously, I believe that Easter comes from Passover, which is a celebration of the Passover and Exodus itself, but also of the resurrection of, of Christ. Um, I think that the idea of bringing in festivals like Halloween is a horrible, horrible injustice to the faith. Um, the idea that, that churches would have something like trunk or treat is mind-boggling to me. I mean, it, to me, it's tantamount to let's all go to the mosque and, and worship with the Muslims. It it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but with all that said, those are the three main differences that you would see within our our theology from a say uh, mainstream non-denominational Christian theology, Baptist theology, maybe some uh, you know some Presbyterian theologies. Basically, we, we can get along very well as we hold to Reformed theology and we believe in, uh, you know, we put a high emphasis on scholarship. Does that, does that cover a lot of the bases? What have we missed? Chat room. Boy, we've,
1: we've, well, I don't know that we can say everything, but I think we did a good job.
0: Yeah, I think so. That's not bad, eh?
1: Okay well, well, you know and maybe one other thing is that we believe that the back to the this is a footnote on Caleb's comment about the canon, the sixty six book canon we affirm that the original languages is is the crucial um, is actually where we're interacting with with the Word of God, whereas the translations are very important and wonderful and valuable and needed. They're part of how the Lord, you know, made out of his wisdom, the body to be, to be uh, peoples from all different languages, tongues and cultures. Right. And so we need the translations. However, we uphold the, the privileging of the original languages always take priority over any translation and that this is the area where we get into interpretation, we get into criticism of translations. So, uh, a side note there would just be, you know, common question we get asked: Well, what's what's the best translation?
0: Well, we should uh, also yeah. note that we believe that the apostle or the New Testament was written in Greek, not in Hebrew. Yeah,
1: yeah not in Aramaic, not in Hebrew. Those are ju- those are fringe. Those are not. Those remind me of the when, sorry to say it again, but when we think of Hebrew roots, but some, even in the, what I would think more messianic Jewish, I'll see that sort of thing. Right. People who are, who are, they dabble in, uh, they flirt with these kind of silly things, you know,
0: Distractions. So I want to go back to Richard's question though because we didn't answer the whole thing. He said, "What is the this channel ascribed to, to, and what are you hoping to accomplish with this channel?" That's okay. the one. What are you hoping to to accomplish, accomplish with this channel? This is a, this is Good. a great question as well. Five years ago, and we've told this story many times. Uh, you know, uh, five years ago, I I didn't. I'm kind of an idiot in a lot of ways. I didn't realize that there was such thing as podcasting, and I wanted to sh- start. No, six
1: years ago, it was it, it was December of thirteen. There you go. Because Baltimore, remember our yep, first. Right. Uh, Doctor Averbeck. We. Yep. we, we, we yeah, that beautiful. was fun.
0: Anyway, so we.
1: I wonder if he's finished his commentary on Leviticus. <laughs> oh, Dude, back. I'm gonna look it up. He was gonna. He was like. Working on a commentary on Leviticus, and he, we're talking about the sacrifices.
0: Okay, sorry. Keep going. Okay, so uh, here's basically what happened. I wanted a radio show, <laughs> and I knew I wasn't going to get on a radio station. And my dad said, look, what I would like you to do is I'd like you to – we got people in our congregation – That are asking questions about like the Hebrew roots teacher, these Hebrew roots teachers, these messianic teachers, and some of the some of the heretical things. You know, they're bringing it up and saying, "Oh, what about this?" So if you could just do these little snippets and record them, and then so that we could send them to people if they ask the question. So you know, oh, what about you know the sacred name movement? And then you you know you could talk about it, and we could just send them these these little clips. I said, great. Well, at the time our friend Mark Randall was uh, was he had found basically internet streaming software to make a radio like to basically make an online radio station. And so he he kind of helped me and and we set up Tour Resource Radio. This was back in I think yeah, 2012-2013. And the whole the whole reason we set up Tour Resource Radio was simply I needed a platform to put I once again didn't know about podcasting. I needed a platform to put this show onto. And so we created a ra- an online radio station, which streamed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we did that up until last year. And, and uh, we, we shut off the radio station and, and it wasn't viable anymore. And we didn't need it anymore, honestly. At the time when we started the show, the point of the show was simply to be able to make shows that we could send to people. And I honestly thought, I honestly thought we'd have maybe 15 to 20 people from my dad, the, the community that my dad pastors. I thought we'd have 15, 20 people listen to the show, and that would be it. And I would know all of them, and I'd go on Saturdays. And it'd and, be fine. Yeah. And, they, and they would say, Oh, I really liked your show. What about this? And then we would, you know, and we could just kind of talk about it. I had no idea, you know, and. I mean when you look at other Christian uh, Christian messianic whatever podcasts we're, we're very small. You know, I think we have 4000 we just hit 4000 subscribers uh today on on YouTube, which uh, to me is just absolutely mind-blowing. So that was Yeah, the, I uh, know
1: that's probably small beans in terms of what, you know, big productions do, but yeah, so this is <laughs> so, just there, there's
0: any? there's some inside jokes that people need to understand we a, a, at one point we could see how many people were listening at, at one time on the <laughs> radio station and at one point we turned we turned on the statistics and realized that there was 36 people listening to us which at no, the no, time no,
1: that's okay this is funny because we're gonna have different oral histories go okay, ahead you,
0: go, well, Okay. well okay i i uh, the way I remember it is that we we saw 36 people listening and we said, we have 36 listeners and this became the joke that there was only 36 people listening
1: i thought it was someone who i think it was shapiro or shapira or whatever it is who yeah, said oh they probably only have 36 listeners anyway like cuz we had poked
0: no i think some... i think he said 50 listeners cuz in the intro to one of our shows i said he said we only got 50 people listening that's I, okay, okay. I think that we're i think he's being that. gener- generous that's what it is yeah okay it, because we we turned i i saw that we had 36 people listening at one time and <laughs> it's I so said,
1: funny because then someone at some conference they came up and we had this we had a bumper sticker i'm one of the 36 <laughs>
0: Yeah.
1: and we had someone like lois you know from oklahoma like she's she emailed right away she's like i'm number 23 and i'm like okay so we reached so we, we ex- you know we reserved that for her but then somewhere, at some conference, we had these bumper stickers. Like, I'm one of the 36. And there was a guy there, oh, this must mean – this must be a referral to the 36 Zadigim. Yeah, it was so – The 36 ridiculous. Righteous. Okay, but
0: check this In, out. And, and Jewish Misses more like, uh, no. Okay, I want to point this out. So this is, our, this, is this Falls uh, producer mug that you can get if you're yeah. – Okay. And, but, and now Michael, our, our graphic artist – he gives a shout out to the, to our we said that there's only ever going to be 36 listeners. So if we gain new listeners then somebody must have left. That's or the,
1: or not everybody there's really listening. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and so yes, exactly. And so this is the joke about the 36 listeners. Now, Mike on every single one of our producer mugs gives a shout out to that. If you look, it says on the back
1: there's always a there oops, move o- it. There you go.
0: Join the 36 is on this one. Okay. And on Bump this, somebody else out. And on this one, it says Messiah matters, old, old number, number 36, 36. Yeah. Right. So there's so, all, so that's
1: does every mug have a 36? Yes. That's awesome. the joke.
0: That's the joke is that every single, every single one has a 36 on it. So that's kind of, so then the question, you know, and we've, we've sat down. Actually,
1: the reason we did that is because it's, it's, let me do the math. Yeah, it's twice 18. And 18 is is the is the Hebrew for high life. And since there's two hosts, Rob and go. Caleb, we're yes. each an eighteen. That's the true secret. No,
0: just... it's it's not
1: the true secret at all. Someone but... emailed me about 18 minutes. Did you see that? I just we wanted to keep Passover and I just don't understand where eighteen minutes comes from, like for for yeast. Like, I just don't see it in Scripture. And I'm like, no, that's mysticism because it's the gematria, you know.
0: Anyway, sorry. To get... Okay, so we have several times stopped taken breaks and prayed and thought about what we're doing here. Yeah. Why we're doing it and how we're doing it. We've had, there's been seasons. We had one, we had one season where at the end of the season the people, we got, I mean, we probably got... 20, 25 emails about we had three shows that were quite critical about different people within the, move, the Hebrew Roots and Messianic movement who were teaching things that we thought were blatant blatantly we wrong and or heresy. And we had people uh, write in a lot for us at that time that said, you guys are overly critical. How dare you? All these kind of things. And so we thought, you know what? Maybe the Lord's using these people to tell us that we need to change format. What we ended up doing at that time—this was what a year ago, a year or two ago—what we did. This is
1: our—we're at the end of our second year of Messiah Matters.
0: Right. Okay. So this is two years ago. What we ended up doing then is we decided, okay, we're going to try to avoid—not all the time, but most of the time—avoid name dropping. Now we will if we have to, but ultimately we'll talk more about theology as opposed to the people who are teaching that theology. Now, obviously, every once in a while we still talk about. You know, there are people who are blatant heretics, um, who are teaching heresy and false gospels, and we have no problem calling those people out if we need to. Um, but that was one of the major shifts, and we changed the name. So two years ago, we, we switched from The Rob and Caleb Show to Messiah Matters. This is why, if I had my soundboard, we get, you know, you can hear, uh, we have clips from when it was Rob and Caleb, you know, why do you hate The Rob and Caleb Show? The reason we have that is because that's that used to be the name of the show, and then we decided let's not. You know, why is it focused on us? It shouldn't be on us. It's not about us. It's about it's about glorifying the Lord and and these things. Ultimately, what's the goal right now? Well, this is a great question, and and uh, we'll trade back and forth. You go first. What do you think? What is your goal with with Messiah Matters?
1: My goal, in a way, I feel like we've got a tent, and I'm just all I'm doing is I'm kind of like a tent tent post. I'm either a tent post or a tent peg. In other words, I feel like I'm, my job is to, is to hold, hold ground, hold space for, for all the things that we said we're for and against is to just, is to stand that ground. And so sometimes we'll repeat ourselves. And at first, like learning this whole podcast thing over the last six years, it's like, well, we already talked about that. We already talked about that. And as Caleb mentioned, new people, we realize that often, apparently, in podcast world, the 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 people who are, you know, doing the talking end up, you know, it's, it's just kind of common knowledge that you end up repeating yourself, and that that's not a bad thing. I originally thought, oh, we don't want to talk about this again. But what I realized, and it's the same reason why we need, well, why we need or why we have 50 plus English Bible translations, is because there's this this turning, the language shifts, the audience shifts, and we're all imperfect listeners. We're all imperfect in our listening. So someone might listen for 20 minutes and they, cap, they just walk away with one point. And even though we talk about a bunch of other stuff, they, it's just that one point that, that sunk in and that's what they're occupied with now. And so um, sometimes that repetition... But what seems like repetition to us, really it doesn't sound like repetition to listeners because the audience is such a dynamic. um, Plus we get the feedback, that helps us sharpen. I think I've become a better, I think Caleb and I have been better, grown better at interacting with one another. We've had criticisms about me, I'm a rabbit trail guy. People saying, you know, you could make your arguments a little more sharper, here's how you do it. So we definitely have a learning curve. But in terms of, Purpose. I feel it's not like gaining new ground. I feel like it's holding space, really holding ground.
0: I okay. I I want to address a uh, comment in the chat room, and then I'll tell you my 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 goal with this show. Comment in the chat room is one of the first videos I ever saw was the was one on Monty Judah, and that video is called "Why Monty Judah is a False Prophet." And I know many hated that, but it was a blessing to me when I was trying to sift through. All this, well, I'll switch the crud. Um, That video. One of the reasons that I have left that video up, and uh, you know, that video has gotten so much hate. There is a lot of people who just really, really dislike that video and our stance on Monty Judah and and his false prophecies. That video. um, Some of my dear, dear, dear friends, uh, Shaparskis, they, they, uh, husband and wife. They were living in this area, they uh, totally separate from each other, started looking into the idea of the Sabbath. And uh, they were looking online, separate from each other, not knowing. And hmm. the wife, she found that video. She, first, she went to Monty Judah, she saw Monty Judah and one of his videos. And in the suggestions <laughs> was our video on why Monty Judah is a false prophet. And she clicked on that and she watched it and she just went down the rabbit trail of the Robin Caleb show slash Messiah Matters. Cool. <laughs> and ultimately, both of them called my dad's congregation like a day apart from each other, asking directions. And they still hadn't talked they, to each and other. And then they found out that they were both looking at the same thing, you know, and they came. They, wow. they were part of my father's congregation and ultimately part of uh, the group that, that we started and they, uh, for, you know, two, three years. And And they've become very, very dear friends to me and uh, just wonderful believers in the Lord and uh, so you know that's one of the reasons that I have felt that that video has served a purpose i've I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh, I saw your video on Monte Judah." A, a lot of people are very critical of it. A lot of people say, "Thank you so much for it." So anyway, um, my goal in this show that's a great question. My goal in life after I gave my life to the Lord was to try to give people the gospel. That's my goal in life is to give the gospel. And I have a lot of different avenues to do that. And the Lord has so graciously blessed me to be in a position to uh, do that for a living and to, I mean, I don't make a whole lot of money, but it's enough to sustain. And that's just been a wonderful blessing for me and and my family and my wife. Um, And this show and we've thought many times of, of stopping this show, but we have emails and phone calls and people in our lives that continually say thank you so much uh, for your show. It's you know it's a blessing and and so on and so forth. What I believe we're doing is I think that we are talking about theology in a vein of 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 theology that is not widely accepted by the larger Christian uh, church, however, is becoming bigger and bigger. And just like in the Reformation, when you have new ideas and and new shifts within theology, within the church, like the Reformation, you have these errant offshoots that go way into the weeds. The problem with the Torah movement as a whole, the overarching Torah movement, whether it's Messianic, Hebrew roots, or other, Um, is that there is this lack of scholarship and lack of ability to discern. And I think that's for multiple reasons, but ultimately what I want to do and my hope in this show is to be grounded on the things that matter, which are Sola Scriptura, Sola Fidei, um, and the idea that salvation is through Christ alone and these things and still be able to uphold the idea that that the Sabbath is a good thing. You know, I was reading Isaiah 56 the other day. I just don't understand how anyone can look at the Sabbath and say we shouldn't be keeping this when you read things like Isaiah 56. So, um or or keep the festivals. You know, how much have we as Torah observant believers, Christians, whatever you want to say, How much have we learned about the Messiah through the festivals? And the idea that there are believers who are not not gaining from those same things is is honestly a little bit sad to me. So the goal for me is to be able to hold to decent and strong biblical theology while at the same time being able to say, I think that these things, that is things like Sabbath and festivals— are important and part of God's sanctification and then be able to give that to other people and say you know this is good theology this here is good theology let's interact with with you know modern christian scholars let's interact with the original languages let's interact with theology good theology and see how this all how this all reconciles itself with with its you know with how the Bible can be reconciled to itself, which I think it certainly can. I don't think the Bible uh, contradicts itself. Does that make sense? That's my goal, is to try to be a, a light and a rock of, of, and a help to people who might be struggling um, in these kind of things. But at the same time, I think that it's, you know, we're starting conversation. I think we're helping start some conversations because I think this pendulum swing of like, Oh, you're, you know, the, the modern uh, sunny Christian, mainstream Christianity is over here. Then you got these people who say, Oh, you know, and it swings way over here. And it's like, Oh, Hebrew roots to the max, you know, two house theology, sacred name. You know, the new Testament was written in Aramaic. I mean, all these kind of nonsense things. And this over here is saying these people over here are totally nuts. And, you know, what I want to do is I want to be able to say, okay, look, Christianity is not all bad. You know, you can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just because you want to keep the Sabbath doesn't mean that your Christian friends are, are, you know, heretics. That's nonsense. At the same time, just because these people have, you know, for those who are in the mainstream Christian church, those who are keeping the Sabbath and or, you know, want to keep a, you know, keep the Passover, have a Passover meal or something like that doesn't make them heretics. You know, so where's the middle ground? And that's what I'm trying to, I'm trying to stand on the middle ground and say, come on, guys, let's all, let's all hold hands and and figure out how we can, let's all get along. Right. Okay. Well, we've gone long enough. We have one more audio clip. It's on the Zedekite calendar. And um, I think that we should uh, hold it for next week. What do you think?
1: Sure. Sounds like a good idea.
0: All right. Let's hold it for next week. I hope that that answered some questions for some people. And I hope that uh, next time our, my audio is not off. That's hey, on, uh,
1: thinking back to our full circle, thinking about San Diego, I might wear oh, this yeah. shirt again. Yes. Uh, I might have to just wear this shirt. Yes. Hey, uh, are we going to do a live broadcast at all? Or what, what do you think? Have you, have you given any thought to what we might do? We're, it'd be mid-November, mid to late November, actually. Second half of November. Um, uh,
0: we certainly can.
1: I think what we've done is in the when we were in uh, Denver, we used your phone and did a, a occasional updates. Yeah, and, and now live I've streets.
0: now I've switched from Apple to uh, to Samsung, so I have a good video camera that we could actually use. <laughs> um, by the way, I, I also want to uh, yeah we certainly can do that. We'll talk more about that. One of the things I want to also say is that if you are one of our monthly supporters which means that you give $5 a month or more to Messiah Matters. You can do that by going to Torah Resource and and then clicking on Donation and going to Donation Options. Um, If you are one of the monthly supporters, then you have access to Messiah Matters More, which is a a page on Torah Resource where there's extra content. If you are one of our supporters and you have not checked it out in the past couple weeks, you definitely should. I put the first lecture from Rob's Ontario trip up there. I'm uh, almost done with his second lecture. I'll put that up there as well. We did an 18-minute uh, extra broadcast last week when we didn't have a show on Trinitarian theology. And I thought that was, that was a really fun little 18-minute uh, snippet that we did. I, I thought it was fun for me. And um, so if, if you're a supporter, uh, please go and check that out because we have been putting stuff on that page. And also, if you're not a supporter and you want access to that page, as little as five dollars a month, think of this a A grande latte, you know uh, at Starbucks is going to cost you around six bucks. That's a dollar more than having access to Messiah Matters more each month, just one a month. So it's worth it, right? Okay, it's been fun. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week, and we have, you know, we have some stuff to talk about. I think I'll probably start thinking about show notes in that way, in the way that we talked about, and uh, maybe by next week I'll have a a plan on how to do that. And uh, next week we will give a tip of the hat to our. Associate and executive producers. And so, uh, if you want to be a part of that, if you want a message read on air, and if you want to choose some sound bites for us to play on air, then go to uh, TorahResource.com, click on our hover over media, go down to Messiah Matters, and all the information is on that page. All right. It's been fun. We hope that this conversation has glorified our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Well, because Messiah Matters.